Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2 just for a moment, a couple of verses, 27 and 28. I'm going to remind you that the Lord Jesus Christ got into trouble uh, many times because of his activity on the Sabbath. That Sabbath was a, a, a very sanctified time. And Jesus did things on the Sabbath that uh, revealed some new understandings as far as what Jesus was concerned. And when they asked him, who gives you the authority to even talk like this? He said to them, and uh, look at Mark 2, 27 and 28. Mark 2, 27 and 28, where he said this. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So if there's anybody who knows what the Sabbath is about, you say, what are we talking about Sabbath for? This is about, Sabbath is going to be the word that's used for rest. Sabbath is a rest. You're resting from your weekly labors and you're taking time to rest on that day. The Sabbath is that rest. And Jesus came to say, I want to show you what rest is. So consider with me, Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath is the authority on what makes Sabbath rest. What honors Sabbath? Jesus tells us that he created that Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath. There's something in the Sabbath that is for the benefit of the man. There's something that the creator who knit you in the wombs of your mothers and brought you into this world. There's something about the one who created the whole universe himself in just his speech that he knows you need, that each of us need for a Sabbath, some kind of rest. He knows there's something that we have need of, and he tells us there's a benefit in it, all right? So let her see in our outline. The Sabbath is the shadow of the true and real. There is a greater rest for which the Sabbath is just a picture of his true meaning. So the Sabbath was to be a weekly picture for us of a bigger thing that's going on, something he's going to tell us in Hebrews 3 and 4, that there's a greater rest to enter into. We've not entered into that one yet. We were supposed to do this on that Sabbath, on that seventh day, or the Israel was supposed to do it on the seventh day to show them that he would take care of them even when they weren't working that he was able to meet every need they had. They were to do no common labor on that day, none of the things that they normally think of as sustaining life. And he would feed them and take care of them. And that's all based on something he did back in creation, which we'll get to in just a moment. So the Sabbath was to them a picture of the bigger thing. There's a greater rest that's coming. All right? Letter D. Jesus called all who were laboring and bearing big burdens to come to him for rest. That's what we read earlier here. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, you'll find rest for your souls. So there, now we're getting an idea what the bigger rest is. It's not just rest for my body. There's a rest for my soul that he has in mind here. And he's the one who gives it. All right. So let's go with this. Letter E. Rest from the beginning. I want to go all the way back to creation. I like to do that because it's at the creation everything begins, right? So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 just for a moment. 
Genesis chapter 1. And kids, it's really important that you make sure that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are important to you. They're, they're important. They're all about how things started and how things got to where they are today. If you lose those or just think of it as a narrative epic poem uh, that's, uh, you know, it's a kind of a little song that people sang. It's a mythology. No, that's how God did it. This is how the world came to be. So Genesis 1, 1 to 31, and I'm not going to read all those verses. Somebody just said, amen. Um, I'm not going to read all those verses at this time, but I am going to say this to you. God is doing things in six days there. Six literal days, 24-hour days, morning and evening day, or evening and morning day one, morning, evening and morning day two. He's doing it in that period of time. And here's what he's doing. Each of the days that he's creating something, the six days that he's creating things in, he's creating the material and the processes that make the earth and, listen to this, interdependent. They're going to depend on each other. Symbiotic. They're going to benefit from each other interactive. They're working together all the time. They are self-activating. They, they will start themselves. They've got the seed within them themselves. And that seed within them comes up and makes more plant. It's got more of those things going on. He put a whole reproductive plant in it so it'd be self-activating. He also created something that's self-perpetuating. It keeps on. If Once those seeds fall, they're going to create more stuff. It's going to perpetuate the whole cycle of it again. And he is uh, creating an energy source for each of its parts. So if I can just say this, here day one. Here's day one of creation. On day one, he's creating light. He's going to have to have light. Light's going to be a big force in everything that's taking place after that. So he creates light first. And he makes it a point that um, that light was essential to it. He's got water on this thing. He's got water, air, light, and we find out he's going to split this thing up. And when he splits the water, land comes out of it. Now we've got soil and matter. All of that's coming out of there too. That's all becoming the basis for the energy that's going to be needed by the other things he's creating back in these other days. So days three, he's got something he's doing. Day four, he's creating the sun, the moon, the stars, and putting them all in their place. Day five, he's got these uh, vegetation he's bringing up. He's got all these things that are going on. You follow where I'm coming from? And they're all to benefit each other. What a wonderful system he's creating. Everybody see what it is? You can understand why the deists, those who believe that God started the whole thing then kicked it out and let it go, you can understand where they would have come from because that system was made to run on its own. But he's in it. He's involved in it. Everybody see what I'm saying? In him we live and move and have our being. Everything depends on him for its life. He's in it, but he's transcendent. He's above it too. He's in it and he's above it. He has created it. All right, now go on with me and just think about this. As he's created this, it's, he's creating energy sources for each thing. The animals are going to be eating the vegetation that just came up. But they're going to be eating different vegetation. They don't all eat the same. As a matter of fact, someone said, you know, we should have just left things alone and let God do things on his own. And then somebody else said, listen, when he does things on his own, you know what you get? A giraffe. What kind of a neck is that? You know what you get? A duckbill platypus. 
That's what you get when you let God work on his own. You know. Listen, here's what we're saying, kids. God's making all these things and having a good time doing it. He is enjoying himself doing it. He's got it all perpetuating. It's all moving, going through days six. He's even saying, humans, this is what you're going to eat too. This is going to be your energy source. Let her be, if you would. It's to help people mark time later. He took six literal 24-hour days to create it all including the human mediators to keep it functioning orderly. So he's creating a seven-day work week so that people have some idea of how to mark time. He's setting the sun, moon, and stars in place so we'll have a way to detect when a year is. He puts the moon in place so we'll know what a month is. He's doing all these things so we can mark time, we can understand things. It's going to be for signs, seasons, markers for us. Everybody with me? That's what he's doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all that work. Now watch. Let's go to Genesis 2 just for a minute. Genesis 2. Oh, got my glasses caught here. Hang on a second. At the end of Genesis 1, in verse 31 there, he says this. Yeah, I'll read it again. Uh, and God, then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host in them were finished. You see that? You say, that, that's no big deal. Yes, it is, because he stopped doing things. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. What's he resting from? He's not going to create light again. Light's created. He's not going to create water again. It's already created. He's not going to create land again. It's already created. He's not going to do vegetation. In other words, he's not going to do any of that work over. He is done, and he's resting Why does he think it's so good? Because it's all working. Just like he said to do. That's called, kids, righteousness. When everything is working the way it was designed, that's righteousness. The feeling that comes from everything working that it's supposed to be is called peace. God creates righteousness and peace. He created this earth with all of his things and rested in righteousness and peace. It's all working just exactly the way he wanted it to work. Everybody with me? That's God's rest. And he's wanting us to enter that rest. Go on with me because I want you to, to see where we go from here. He says, this is righteousness and peace. That makes it very good. Now, that also makes that day holy. Why? Because he's not doing any of that same work over. Is he sustaining things? Yes, he is. Is he creating things? No, he's not. That makes this day different. That's what makes it a holy day. Everybody follow me? On a holy day, you don't do the same thing you do the other days. It's a different day. So the seventh day was to be a different day. You were to rest. Are you, are, is your, when you go to rest, does your body keep working? 
Yes. You still have a heartbeat on, the, on a day of rest, don't you? Everything still flows through, right? You're still eating and everything's working like it's supposed to. You're still breathing and everything. So the, thing, the things are working as they're supposed to work, right? We call sickness and disease disorders. They're out of the thing. It's not working like it's supposed to work. I need to do something about it, right? That's what Jesus corrected. Nearly every activity that Jesus got in trouble for on the Sabbath was correcting a disorder, was correcting a dis-ease. He's putting it back together again. And he's going to ask him, what's the best thing to do? Good or evil? Which should one do on the Sabbath? All right, let me go on further. Let's go on to the next page. Man's assignment in this. So he takes us go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's pick up verse 15. Genesis 2, 15. Here's what he says. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Now, I want to do something here because I, I always want to know, what does this mean, tend and keep? So I look up this word tend. I follow it through every place. You know what? It, it usually comes up the word serve, serve. You will serve the gods. Uh, you'll serve this. You'll serve that. So it's about serving. Follow with me this. When you are taking the ground and you are cultivating it and you're putting it back into a place where it can produce what it's supposed to do, that's tending it. You understand what I'm saying? So now watch this. They don't even have to plow. They are provided no plow. Follow this. There are no weeds. So those of you who've had gardens and your, your mother punished you and said you go to the garden and, and hoe weeds, there's no weeds to hoe in Adam and Eve. They've got nothing to do but make sure it's all getting the water it needs. It's all being taken care of. Matter of fact, they are going to be little gods on this earth. You follow me? They're doing exactly the same thing God does. Why? Because they are his image. They're doing exactly what God does. Now, let me ask you this. They're hours old. You've just been told to tend the garden. Unless God did something really unique that first two or three hours and downloaded in you a wonderful new vocabulary that taught you what the word die means, that taught what the word tend means, that taught you what the word keep means, there's got to be an educational process going on here. You follow what I'm saying? Who's going to teach them what tending the garden looks like? God. Whose garden is it? God's. So he's going to teach them. They are going to become like him. You follow me? Because their assignment's going to be, leave this place and fill the whole earth with my glory. I want you to take everything I'm showing you here, and outside this garden, I've got a wilderness. And I want you to fill that wilderness with my glory. I want you to take the garden and push it. They are learning what it means to be like God. You, you follow me? All right. Go on further. To serve that system and keep it intact. 
when I look at this word, and keep the garden, that's the same word that's used for keeping the commandments. In other words, you're going to keep them the way they are. You, you, we, the reason that you rewrite the commandments in, in Old Testament times, the reason you rewrite the commandments and you make sure that they are word perfect is because you can't change them. They are the word of God. They're not to be altered. Everybody with me? So he's, he's made a perfect garden. Is it good? Yes. Who called it good? Well, Adam. Adam looked at it and said, this is a good garden. No, God said it was a good garden. You, you follow me? It's God who said it. How are you going to improve on the perfect garden? You're not improving on it. You're keeping it. You are tending it. You're making sure that, Mr. Rhino, you ate there yesterday. Move. Move. Why? Because you have dominion over the, plant, the, the animals. You can tell them where they're moving to. You're not going to over, overgraze this. Move on. Mr. Bison, move it. He's not moving like he should. Mr. Wolf, help Mr. Bison know to move. Okay? All right? So the garden is the model. It's like the tabernacle he designed or the commandments he gave. You're serving the tabernacle. You're keeping it. And he's telling them, when you make that tabernacle, you see the design here? Don't change it. You can't alter this tabernacle. I want it made exactly the way I'm In order for you to make it exactly the way it's, this one is, I am going to give your craftsman my spirit so that it'll be done the right way. Everybody follow that? That's our assignment going on with you. They teamed with him. They're going to work with him. They don't automatically know how to take care of gardens. They don't automatically know what it means to die. They are going to learn from him. He's going to teach them every day. They're going to walk together, and he's going to teach his children just like you like to teach your children how to walk the right way, how to take care of a garden this way. What special thing you put in this blueberry? What? What's an antioxidant? I don't want an antioxidant. Let's have, I put it inside here. This will take care of all those radicals that are inside your body. Radicals? What's radicals? I didn't know I had radicals. You, you, you see what I'm saying? He's going to teach them all these things, and they're going to have a delightful time together as they do. They are becoming like him. But an adversary came and short-circuited the whole works. He told them, you don't have to go through all that process. See this plant? That puppy right there will get you right where you need to go. In an instant. No work. No problem. Bite out of rascal. You're free, man. You're going to be just like God. Short-circuited it. You see where I'm coming from? God made it perfectly and put us there so have it, the whole thing. All it required was trust and the humility that says God's always right. God's always right. And that'll followed by obedience. You'll, you'll do it because that's what's followed by it. Right? No one shows this principle of rest work than the Lord of the Sabbath. No one does this work as good as Jesus does. I want you to listen to just these verses out of John. This is just John. 
Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He didn't come here to do his own will. He came to do the will of his Father and to finish his work. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. The Son is at rest working in the Father. You follow me? He's at rest. He's not trying to dream up his own plans. He's not saying, what, what? short guy in a tree? Are you kidding? He's a publican. What do I want to do with him? No, it's, son, there's a short guy in a tree. He's a publican, and I want you to go to his house for dinner. Yes, sir. That's the way you answer it. You go to the short guy in the tree, and you even call his name. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today for dinner. Okay, yes, sir. He always is doing the will of his father. He's not thinking up his own plan. He's not dreaming up his own plan. He's not questioning the plans of the Father. Let me go on further with you because there's more. I can of myself do nothing, Jesus said in John 5.30. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. That's resting in the Father. Jesus said, John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, John 8, 28, Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me, and the Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. Jesus said, John 17, 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. He had an assignment. He did the assignment. Matthew 26, 39, he said, He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible to let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit And finally, I say this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus wasn't doing his own will. Everybody see where I'm at? He was doing the will of the Father who sent him. That's what it is to rest in the Lord. That's what it means to to not be doing your own thing and following him. No better example of this than the Lord of Sabbath. All right, let me go to this next one. Take your Bibles and turn them to Hebrews chapter 3 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. And this passage is taken from, and let me just give you this. This passage is taken from, the Exodus. This is about the Exodus. The Exodus is one very prime example. Matter of fact, you're going to be seeing the Exodus all throughout the New Testament. If you know what you're reading and you understand what the history was, you're going to see the Exodus over and over again there. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 13 tells us that we 
should learn the example of what the fathers did. What happened to them? Matter of fact, turn your Bibles there. Just leave Hebrews 3. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 10. First Corinthians 10, 1 to 13. This is what it says. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank that same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. In other words, people will ask sometimes, what's the benefit of reading the Old Testament? That's already done. It's already gone. Here's the benefit. That you can learn from what happened with them what not to do. You can learn from them what to do. God left this as examples for us. This is what he wanted us to know. Here are the things that are going on. Here are the things that happened there. Here are the things I wasn't pleased with. Here's how you can change that, okay? Go on further a little bit. He says, now these things became our examples to the intent that now we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. All right? So all those things there. So I'm looking at the time and I'm knowing and I'm not going to have time to do this. So I'm not going to waste that. I'm going to say, I want you to pay attention with me for next week. Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 11. Read it each day. If you'd read it each day. And I want you to think with me how important this is, this matter of faith and rest. Because those are the two things that are found in that passage. Faith and rest. In, the, in writing to the Hebrews, whoever the writer was, Paul, whoever it was, knew this. He had heard that in the Hebrew people, the people who had trusted Jesus Christ. Now, this is, this is getting up around uh, 60, 66, 67 A.D. There is already such a, a buildup, a civil war buildup, a, a kind of conflict that's about to take place. And the Romans are getting more and more angry with the, the Jews all the time. And the Christians have been catching it from the Jews. The Christians have been catching it from the Romans. And some of them have looked this whole thing over and said, you know, we were promised that Jesus was coming back. That was 30 years ago, guys. Jesus is not back. I don't know if he's really coming back or not. Maybe he's really not coming back. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we've been deceived. Maybe we better make sure we cover all our bases. Let's start going back to the temple. Uh, these meetings here, they're good. I, I like them. Good, good songs. Nice, nice scriptures. Good stuff. But I, I don't know, guys. What if we're wrong? Jesus didn't come back, and what if we're wrong? 
If we go back to the temple, maybe God will say, okay, you, you messed up a little bit, but I'll forgive you now. They were going to turn. And the writer of the Hebrews said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Think, think. If you're going back to Moses, do you not understand that Jesus is greater than Moses? If you're going back to the Levitical priesthood, do you not understand that Melchizedek is greater than Levi? Guys, don't go back. Don't turn around. That's exactly what they did at, in the Exodus. And he gives that as a warning. At the, the risk of sounding trite, don't stop believing. Don't turn your back on this. This is important. Keep the faith. Keep trusting God. Don't let the circumstances fool you. Don't let all the junk around you blind you from the truth. That's called the deceitfulness of sin. Don't let it get you, guys. Stick with us. Keep on believing. God has a rest for us. Yes, I know it's conflict. Yes, I know that there's a lot of things going on right now. I know that everybody's feeling the tension. I know that some of you have been in jail already. I know all that. But there's a rest coming. God has a rest plan for us. But that rest comes to those who believe. It doesn't come to others. There's more than a Sabbath, guys. There's a Sabbath rest for your souls. Don't stop believing. Next week, I want you to look with me as we look into that to see what is it God wants from us, 21st century people, living out here facing conflicts on every side, facing enemies everywhere. The potential for war and world war is huge right now. The potential for this whole thing to blow up like a powder keg is huge. But we're not stupid. We knew there were wars and rumors of wars. They're all a part of the very end of it. Don't stop believing. Father, thank you so much for the things you have to teach us about rest. We want to enter that rest. We want to be diligent to enter that rest. We want to do the things that are pleasing in your sight. Give us courage, Father. Give us guts. We've been leaving things behind for a long time, and I know, Father, that we can no longer take our ease. We're asking in the name of Jesus, toughen us up. Make us good soldiers of the whole battle that's going on here. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. This is a, a, a walk that's impossible to walk without complete faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and completely resting on Him. But oh, in Him, we have some, we can do all things together through Christ. He loved us and gave Himself for us. We have everything we need when we're depending on Him. We lose when we depend on ourselves. God bless you. Father, thank you so much for another great day. Thank you so much for the way you care for us and meet our needs. Thank you for variety. Thank you for letting us live in the Midwest. Midwest is a fun place, Father, because of all the different things going on. So we want to thank you for that. Thank you that you enjoyed that. Thank you for the whole creation and the plan that you had for it. But even more, Father, thank you for the new creation, the one that's coming. 
We give you praise for that just now. Please dismiss us with your grace and peace. And the blessing of the Lord, that God be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.